All right, real quick before we get started. So so one of the biggest pillars of the Rise to the Top is creating a freedom-based business. You know, something you can run from anywhere with just the device and the internet. I know that's what we all love here. So a lot of us are working remotely, you know, from your iPad, iPhones, etc. Maybe you're just even leaving the laptop behind now. It's crazy. It's shenanigans. But the iPad and iPhone can't replace your office computer unless you have go to my PC app it's the missing link it turns your iPad and iPhone into your computer with go to my PC by Citrix you can access your entire Mac or PC work on any program and file from anywhere even on the go you can try it for free on me on the house here's what you got to do download the free app you know for your iPad iPhone or whatever visit go to my pc.com click the try it free button and enter the promo code rise and you'll be off to the races and now here's today's episode all right well welcome everyone to the rise to the top I'm David Seitman Garland and today is my water bottle twin joining me Ian you got to hold it up we both have our green bottles all right Ian Alvin Joining me today, he is a beyond sales expert. I don't even know what to call you, Ian. We're going to go over your bio in a second. But you're the master of the unsell, if you will. I don't, I don't know how to describe that. But uh, as we get started today, we're going to learn about you know something called upside-down selling, which you also have a book by the same name that's on its way out, and it's just a great concept. But before we get started here, can you give us just a little bit of background about kind of who you are and, and why this is important and, and a passion of yours? Absolutely, David. So first I'll give you a little bit of background that might give some reason as to why anyone would ever want to listen to me other than my wife and my dog, because my kids certainly don't. But I, I started a software and technology company in 1993. We were a fast 50 company by 98. We added a software company to that. And we sold both companies successfully in 2005. Then the parent company had this crazy idea to have me be managing director of the overall company. And we grew valuation from $100 million to a little over a billion dollars in three years. Very much time, wow. uh, as you can imagine, it's, it's not a kind of growth that I would encourage other people to do. And so after exiting out of that, I took some time off and got reacquainted with my family. Because um, during that time, I was flying over 150,000 miles a year. We did a big global expansion into Asia and the Middle East and Europe. And, I mean, we did India, China, Philippines, you know, Turkey, United Arab Emirates. We did... North America, South America, you name it, we were there and, uh, and grew this thing pretty quickly. So I took some time off and really throughout the time my previous businesses, I always had a blast when other entrepreneurs would say, man, my business kind of stuck or we're getting beat up by this one client of ours on pricing, how can you help us? And I would just drop everything I was doing and go help them. And instead of starting another technology company, I started this business, Grow My Revenue, to help other companies what I call become outrageously successful in targeting and winning business. Awesome. And, and what's interesting about this, and we've had this conversation, we, we met in Washington, D.C., and, and we were having this conversation, you know, we've had, I don't know, only 10,000 emails, I think, back and forth. And we we're talking about, you know, how the Rise community here, what, it, what it's all about is, you know, people that have taken a passion or a topic that they love or expertise and turn that into a badass online business, you know, mediapreneurs, right. you know, selling, but you know, a lot of times online business uh, and offline business, of course, it blends when it comes to selling and there's, there's a lot of problems online, there's mistakes that people make and this approach you told me that we're about to kind of dive into here, you're telling me that, you know, for online entrepreneurs that this definitely applies in a lot of different ways, right? Yeah, absolutely. There's, there's, there's two sides of this. One is how we present ourselves 
online. And also, a lot of these online businesses, they start getting enough traction and eventually some big customer comes to them. Right. And says, hey, you know what? I know you've been selling this thing one at a time, ten at a time. We want to buy 50,000 units of this thing. And unfortunately, you quickly realize that the way that person buys is very different than the person who clicks and buys online. So a lot of these upside-down concepts we're going to talk about apply to the online world and also apply when you're dealing with somebody face-to-face -face because, let's face it, when we do a lot of stuff online, sometimes we forget how people are wired into face-to-face, -face, and this will kind of bridge the gap between the two. Right, and, and especially because I know a lot of people that are watching and listening, they might be looking to solicit sponsors you know, for their, exactly. their show or their blog or something like that. And that's going to be a face-to-face. -face. They, they might be going after, I don't know, uh, you know, maybe a big consulting or coaching contract with, with, with something like that. They might, be, um, yeah. they might be a speaker that's saying, okay, I want to get hired by, you know, the, somewhere awesome to go speak and, and get paid for it. So, you know, regardless of you're, – you're totally right on that. What I've noticed is that there's never someone that's just pure – a hundred percent, never going to have to talk to a human face to face. And if that's the case, you're weird. So let, let's not do that. And so that, that's a great point on how this kind of all applies. So I think, Ian, what we'll hop into it now is sort of your, uh, we'll do our little interactive presentation. I say interactive because I'll be interrupting, asking annoying questions, picking your brain, all that kind of stuff as we go. But I'll let you kind of take the reins here on the, on the presentation um, and shut my mouth for a short second before I hop back in. Just for a short second, I'm looking forward to you interrupting because, I've, as you might have imagined, I've heard all this stuff before. So really, it's questions from you that are going to make this really relevant to the uh, to the viewers. That's really going to be uh, the most important thing for me. I just want to make sure that everybody walks away from this saying, "Wow, that was time well spent." Awesome. Well, I'll be representing Rise Nation here and uh, interrupting for everyone. So let's hop into Absolutely. it. All right. So this concept of upside down selling. Is really, is really getting people to think instead of pushing, of kind of pulling back. Instead of mm -hmm. overstating what we do, maybe in some cases understating it a little bit, and getting people to think more about what we solve for people than what we're selling. Because as entrepreneurs especially, we get passionate about our stuff. Right. But sometimes we forget why our customers are going to do stuff. And you know, we start thinking we can sell to anybody. And so it brings up this notion of the guy selling ice to Eskimos. And, you know, it's funny because I, I speak to CEO groups all around the country, and oftentimes I'll say, so is this a good thing or a bad thing? And half the people say, well, it's a good thing. It means the guy can sell anything to anybody. And I usually ask the question of, okay, how much repeat or referral business is this guy going to get? Right. And, you know, people kind of nod, yeah, okay. And once you violate that trust, then you got a big problem. And so there, there are three key things that I want to talk about today. One is how we're going to focus on why rather than what. Okay. I want to talk about these scenarios in terms of when we're selling beyond just online where it's um, a faceless buyer. Mm -hmm. And then really get to some of the, the techniques that we talk about in upside-down selling and how you can really get to what I call the truth in buyer-seller situations. Because sales is less about persuasion and more about just getting to the truth when we get to a face-to-face. -face. Because the people who aren't going to do business with us, we want to find that out as quickly as possible. Because most organizations, most people spend too much time chasing opportunities that will never turn into revenue and aren't good opportunities for them. And finally, each of these things, we're going to make sure you got things that you can actually 
put to work and actually use in your business. So it's not just a concept car, but all these ideas we're going to talk about, you can actually draw it. Sounds cool. Fair? Yeah, no, sounds cool. You know, it's funny that you mentioned that about kind of the yes versus the no, because that's one of the things that I learned early on. I used to, when I was learning about sales and something I think is, that's relevant is that there, there was the greatest thing you can hear is a yes, right? The second greatest thing is a no. Uh, exactly. the, 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 everything else is horrible because you end up in that weird limbo stage. Um, I, I, I once was taught that it was called uh, let's pretend or, or, or whatever it might be where it's you're in that, you know, you, you, phone calls aren't quite getting returned, but they're not quite saying no. They're not quite saying yes. You know what I mean? So it's good to, yeah. you know, get quantify that down. Yeah, that's, that's exactly it. It's, in, in, in these same groups, the CEOs, I'll ask them, so what's the best, is, is everyone agree, yes, the best answer? Everyone says, yeah, okay, so what's the, what's the second best answer you can get? Or better yet, what's the worst answer? And, oh, no is the worst answer. No, that's mm -hmm. your second best answer because it doesn't waste any more time. We're okay with a no. We just don't want these ones in limbo. Now, I will tell you, if you're wondering what the slide is, some of the concepts I'm going to talk about may make you feel a little bit uncomfortable. <laughs> But that's okay because what we're trying to do is flip some of these concepts upside down, which upside down in the glove makes you a little nervous, I understand. So we'll move on. The, if, if I look back you know, 20 or so years ago and someone wanted to find out information about a company's products and services, they got that from their sales rep. And it's funny, every time I speak to a group, there's a guy in the audience who looks just like this guy. Right, and he's like slick back no. and he kind of looks like a D-bag. But yeah, I got it. Kind of looks <laughs> like a D-bag. probably a nice guy. Yeah, he might way. be. He might be. He's definitely <laughs> he going to be personable, I'll tell you that. Exactly. And so that's the way people got information. And then if I go back about 10 or so years ago, they still got most of the information from that sales rep, but there started to be this whole idea of people searching online. But when they searched online they mostly got the company's website. Mm -hmm. They go to the company's website and it became kind of, you know, their e-brochure. So if you, if you think back, when companies first started to go online, it was mostly because, wow, we can save in the printing costs of these marketing materials. We'll just put them online. It was electronic brochure. Now it's all about engagement and interaction. But back then it was just sure. putting, putting anything up there that someone could read. Today, people are finding information, and in most cases, you and I both know, it's not on your own site. It's somewhere else. Yep. So it's someone else talking about you. What it means is that your customers, in most cases, know more about your products and services than someone they might talk to on the phone. Mm -hmm. So they no longer need the sales rep to give them information about what it is that they're buying. But now our, our role has shifted so that our job is to help figure out how we can tailor what we've got and how it fits for that client. Because the person who searches online can get all the specs, can get all the details about what you have. They're just not quite sure if it's the right fit for them. Right. Yeah. No. It, it notices what I do, and I guarantee you a lot of of the Rise community. And let me know. And let me know in the comments on this too. But when you go and you find out about a new you know, product or service, whatever way you find out about it, I don't care what it is, you know, TV, I don't, I don't, whatever, you know, you, you ran into it. The first two things that I've seen happen is number one, you Google it, right? So yep. you Google it. What, what can I find out? You're going to type in some more information. And then step two, which has really emerged obviously in the last, you know, five, six years is you go to your friends online. Right, oh, yeah. I go on Twitter. Anyone? Hey, has anyone purchased this uh, this oatmeal coffee mug right here? Is it any good? Is it you know? Am I gonna drop it? Am I gonna break it? You know, does anyone have it? You know, friends are gonna come in. This sucks. This is great. This is great. And so you have that social aspect and the Google aspect. That seems to be the big, you know, 
buying power right now, big time. You know, it's absolutely. It, it's funny. A couple weeks ago, Chris Brogan is it, it, his cell his cell phone died an untimely death. And he was looking for a new cell phone, <laughs> so he posts online, "Hey, here are the cell phones I'm looking at. What do you think?" And so, uh, you know, I think you know only I don't know 700 people posted comments as to what they felt. <laughs> was the appropriate cell phone. And it's funny because I had said to him, look, I would get this Motorola Droid Razor Max. I just got it. I love it. Now, last week, the thing took a tremendous fall from about three feet. My screen shattered into a million pieces. I sent it in a Motorola and said, look, it shouldn't break from this distance. You guys tell me what you're going to do. So I guess in the comments, people can see if they're interested, and I'll post what the resolution is. Hopefully, hopefully I have a good story that uh, Motorola you know, said, wow, yeah, it shouldn't have broken from three feet. But we'll see. Either way, right now I'm using like a um, the equivalent of a 1957 Philco table radio. Perfect. As my mobile Perfect. phone is my Perfect. Keeping, is it, my keep, keeping it classy. Anyhow, keeping it classy. <laughs> yeah. So it's uh, it's kind of funny. But um, I often ask this question to people. People buy from people they, and I get two different answers, which is like and trust. Right. And what I always say is that we all have friends or family members that – you know, who we absolutely adore, but for one reason or another would never do business with. Oh, yeah. And we I also so. all have people who, you know, maybe they're not someone we want to hang out with, go have a drink with, but fundamentally we really respect what they do. We trust that they're going to do the right thing. And so even if we're not, we're not crazy about them, we do business with them. And the point there is that trust trumps like. People want to do business with people they trust and like, but as soon as you violate the trust, you're out the window. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter if they like you or not. Plus, when we start getting into more complex selling situations where you're talking to those sponsors or you're talking to you know, someone who's making a major purchase or you're trying to get that speaking engagement, it's rarely one person making the decision. So that trust becomes paramount. As soon as you violate that, you know, all bets are off. Right. So to kind of summarize as we move on to the next one real quick is that basically, yeah, ideal situation, like and trust. Like and trust. Yeah. Second ideal situation is trust, not yep. the other way around. Because if you have someone that, yeah, because you think about that, would you rather have someone that you would that you like and don't trust, <laughs> or oh, yeah. that you, yeah, I don't know if you want to hang out with them all the time, but you trust them, you know they're going to get it, do a good job, they're going to get it done. You're obviously going to want to go with number two there. That's absolutely right. And and when I talk about trust, what I mean is trusting that you're looking out for their best interest. Uh-huh. It's not just okay if I leave my wallet when I come back, is the money still going to be in it? That part's easy. It's more, is this person trying to sell me something because that's what they have to sell? Or do they actually think that what they're selling is in my best interest? Yep. And, and yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. And so I'll, get, I'll give you a quick story example of this. So years ago in, in one, of my, uh, one of my companies, we were selling to a major telecommunications company. And one of my guys is trying to sell a, a, basically a solution that was about $150,000. And he's all fired up because we had the software that would do some of the stuff these guys were talking about. And, of course, every time the client asked a question, I was dealing with the head of marketing communications and running about a billion-dollar budget. And every time she would ask a question, whether, regardless of what the answer was, this guy, Steve, would say, absolutely, we can do that. And so finally I interrupted after a little while. I said, look, you know, I, I, I applaud Steve's enthusiasm, but you know what? This isn't really the right fit, I don't think. And you're going to end up with a one-off piece of software and I don't think it's going to be the right fit for you long term. You're going to have too much on the back end to deal with. Let me understand more about your situation. As we went through this discussion, 
ultimately what happened was she started sharing these problems they were having. It was costing them $3 million a year in fines. They had a staff that was costing them a million and a half dollars a year just to try and avoid these fines, which obviously wasn't working. What they ultimately came back with was, okay, well, can you guys solve that problem? Long story short, we ended up doing over $15 million in business with these guys because we were honest and they could trust us that the $150,000 solution wasn't right. 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 Because, um, right. Exactly. And it's, it's, it's so many people are scared to give away business or do these different things. But when you start referring people that aren't quite the right fit to other people and doing things like that or saying this isn't quite the right fit for us and you, it, it builds that trust for the future. You know, real quick on that, I don't want to hammer this home because I know we have a lot to go through. I don't want to hammer it home. But what was Marie Forleo um, at, at a recent event, and she's a, a big time business coach and things like that, was talking about how um, her refund rates are so low for her online products. And the reason yeah. that, that it is so low is because, one, not only do they spend a lot of time quantifying, she spends a lot of time telling people this isn't the right fit for you. Awesome. I, don't want your, I, don't want your, I don't want your money. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and, and there's other people that, of course, will take it by any means necessary. And the people that have the most success online and offline, when I, but I'm talking online world here for a second, with people with digital products, let's just say, they are very clear when someone emails them, you know, like for create awesome interviews, my, my, my digital product, I yep. can't tell you how many people I turned away, you know, That's because awesome. they emailed me and they said, here's my situation. Is this the right product for me? Okay. And you know yep. what? I could easily, I know marketing speak. I know sales. I know everything. If I wanted to, <laughs> we could get those. I could say, yes, yes, yes. Of course. You know, of course this works for you. You know what I mean? And, and, and get them to buy. Yep. But you know what? The honesty is what builds loyalty over time and builds, you know, your reputation and things like that. And I would just say to them, listen, I just don't, I got to be honest. This isn't the right fit. This is why I want to be upfront with you on this as I always am. And people appreciate that. I've gotten more nice letters from people that didn't buy or, or then, then referred it on to someone else that was a right fit or something like that, where it Absolutely. all ends up coming back around. Yeah, because you, you build that trust, and it's a notion of saying, look, it's not the right fit for you. Here's who it is a right fit for. And that person now says, man, this guy's awesome. Who do I know has got that same need? Exactly. And then you know, the, the one no turns into five yeses. Exactly, exactly. So that's a random sales rant or story there that we, we, we could get into here, you know? Absolutely. So, so it's, and by the way, it's a great segue to this next piece, which is this notion of the elevator pitch and what you do. Is, you know, so someone says, hey, what do you do when people start throwing up all their features and benefits and all the different things that they do? And the, the premise behind the elevator pitch is, hey, you're running up the elevator 15 floors, you got 30 seconds, and you're going to tell somebody what you do. And as, the, as this picture shows, sometimes people need more floors because their elevator pitch is more like an elevator novella. Right. And it's like war and peace. Yeah. But, but, it's, but it's generally all about them, not their customers. Mm -hmm. And instead, what we want to get in the mindset is this, which is if your ideal client, if your ideal customer for wherever you're selling was complaining to somebody else and saying, man, I'm sick and tired of blank, and based on that, if you heard it, you'd say, wow, we can really help people with that problem, that's the way people are wired. So buyers are more, more likely to connect with a similar problem than they are to connect with your solution, because they don't necessarily know that they need your solution, but they know their problem. Have you ever seen the Amco commercials mm -hmm. for transmissions? It's, it's basically people making sounds of here's the kind of sound my car is making, because 
most consumers wouldn't know if they're having a transmission problem, but they'll be able to recognize a certain sound. No, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, what I'm thinking of, a way that this applies, is that you know the fitness and nutrition program that I that I do called you know Jet Set Body with my friends Kim yeah. and Rob, and you know I, I partner up on them. And we do a lot of cross promotions and a lot of different cool stuff. You know, is that was one of the things we we sat down and discussed stuff like this. Is sort of like what are the people that are interested in this specific program? What are they sick and tired of? Forget the solution for a second. And that was something that you, we could easily come up with. Things like you know what I'm sick and tired of going to the gym and not getting results. You know, I, I'm sick and tired. Exactly. I'm sick and tired of eating the same foods over and over again that I think are healthy, but I'm not losing weight. You know, I'm sick and tired of, you know, doing specific fitness programs like P90X or something like that and either never finishing or when I'm done, I'm in the same shape or when I'm done, I'm completely burnt out and I, I balloon back up again. So, so those are, that would be kind of an example of this, right? It's, it's, that's exactly it. I mean, it's, and this ties in very well to referrals also. So let's say, let's say, you know, somebody is a roofing contractor and he says, Hey David, listen, do me a favor. You know, I'm trying to get more business. If you know anybody who needs a roofing contractor, let me know. So the only way he's going to get a referral from you is if someone walked up and say, hey, David, do you know a roofing contractor? Right. Outside of that, he's not getting a lot of referrals because you don't necessarily know when someone needs a roofing contractor. But if instead, if he said, look, David, you know, I'm looking for referrals. I'm a roofing contractor. You may not know what that means. Let me just lay it out for you. When people have water coming into their house from the roof, the ground, or anywhere in between, in their home or their office building, we address those issues. Also, if someone had energy costs that were just blown out of control, we can often make adjustments that are going to bring their energy costs down and make their building more efficient. Mm-hmm. Well, now, if you're, at a, if you're at a party or something and someone goes, oh, man, you know, our heating costs are just going out of control, you're thinking, hey, my roofing contractor buddy. Right. You know, right. He can use this. You know, right. Man, he can help these people. Right. It's exactly the same. Like if you were to take that program that I was just mentioning and saying to someone, you know, hey, you know what I do is uh, I have a 90-day a fitness program that overhauls people and, you know, gets them in the best shape of their life and then they continue it on. You know, then and the only way you're going to be able to answer a referral is if someone's like, hey, do you know about a 90-day fitness program exactly. that I could do online, you know, that I can you know, apply in the gym, you know what I mean? And then you're, you're like, yeah, yeah what, what, when's that going to happen, you know? Yeah, it gets, it gets so specific, but if you talk about the problems, <laughs> look, you know what, gee, people come to me because they're frustrated because all the things you talked about before, they're getting to the gym, they're, they're not getting the results, you know, right. they, they feel like they're spending a lot of time, but, you know, it's just not, not, not producing the look that they're looking for, they're, they're tired with the same routine. Yeah, I have those issues. Okay, then this might be of interest to you. And if you don't have those interests, then you're not a good potential client for me. Right. Exactly. It's exactly. okay. We're, we're, no is a good answer. Understood. That makes sense. Let's keep driving. So, and, and the idea is for a lot of my clients who work through a worksheet like this that, that says, okay, what's the product or service you're offering and what's in essence the symptom or the pain or the risk that's going on that someone would need that product or service. Mm-hmm. So it's okay that you're that you're focused on your products and services, you just need to translate it for your audience. So when you're talking to somebody, you're talking about their issues, not yours. Mm-hmm. It makes a hundred percent sense. Yeah, and this is something we skip all the time. Yeah. So if you think about how people buy, when when you're when you're talking to someone about a sale, and I'm not necessarily just talking about an online sale, but now you're trying to get that sponsor or something like that. Um, 
there's there's a process that that typically follows something along these lines. So okay. the old the old original way was well, first you present your stuff. Hey, I want you to be my sponsor. Here's here's the audience I have. This is going to be great for you. They then present objections that the salesperson typically is supposed to overcome, mm -hmm. and then there are a thousand books written on how to close the deal. Yep. So that evolved over time, and these guys at Xerox and their professional selling system said we should qualify first, and they qualified based on need, budget, and authority, and then they did the same stuff again. Just added, so a, just added an additional step on front. I yeah, see it. They started at the beginning, but usually what happens is you give away a whole bunch of free information. You don't learn about them, and that's why I give this thing the acronym ILS, mm -hmm. and ILS stands for incrementally less stupid. So the second <laughs> method is incrementally less stupid than the first one. Because it's still all centered around you're basically presenting your solution first. Right. And so let's say let's say you go to your doctor and you say, you know, you work out a lot, man, your elbow's kind of bothering you. And the doctor says, Oh, David, man, your elbow's bothering you. And within fifteen seconds she says, You know what? Eleven AM tomorrow morning, David, we're gonna do surgery. I mean, how would you feel about that? Not so good. Not so good. Not so good. Right? So because she hasn't diagnosed, she didn't ask any questions, man, that's not cool. So would you feel better if she did this? If she said, you know what, David, so your elbow's bothering you? Yeah. Tell you what it is. You got tennis elbow. Tennis elbow, David, that's your problem. And in fact, we help people who are athletes. We help elderly people. I mean, the full gamut, anybody who's got tennis elbow, we can help them. You're probably wondering to yourself, man, what's the surgical team like? Well, here's a picture of them. I mean, this is our surgical team. The patient's right behind them. This is after a recent procedure. And here's what the procedure would be for you. Here's what we're going to do for you. And you know this is the actual method that we're going to use. And then you're probably concerned about the recovery. We can make the cast look really beautiful, David. And I know that's probably going to be important to you. And of course, I want to give you a testimonial also. Got it. Okay. Yeah, I so, love that. By the way, my favorite part was that green cast, and also that um, I, I was picturing on that one slide you're going to have like a patient in a body bag or something like that, which would be funny. <laughs> but no, I, I, I get okay. Back at it. So, yeah, so what, so what happens is that, that if, you know, if they did this, would that make you feel comfortable? Of course it yes, wouldn't. I mean, I, mean, I, mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, it would, it would, yeah, I don't even know what to say here, yeah. I mean, I mean you know, if, if they all of a sudden, if they, if they gave you a whole PowerPoint presentation about everything they're going to do for you and what they're selling you, you'd probably feel pretty uncomfortable too. Right, because it's not about what you just said was all about what, what they do for exactly. you, not the not the what's going to be the result or the outcome for me. And what the, so what they did in that case is, in that example, they went from you had an initial symptom, they skipped diagnosis and said, here's the treatment. So if you follow this medical metaphor, basically it's in most businesses, someone says, yeah, you know, I'm thinking about doing, uh, you know, I, I think I need this type of uh, information product. And instead of asking questions or um, or diagnosing their situation, you jump straight to treatment. And then what happens is the customer feels like they're being sold. Mm -hmm. Well, none of us like to be feel like we're being sold. I mean, it's the you know the, the number one answer that salespeople hear in a retail store when someone walks in and they go up and ask if they want help is, no, no, I'm just looking. Yep. Well, you're not just looking. You're there to buy something, but you just don't want to be sold. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. Because you see the salesperson coming, you you know when you know what's coming, right? They're gonna try to push all kinds of stuff on you, and 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 people try to avoid that situation by basically lying in some you know in cases like that. Exactly, so. exactly. And and it's funny because in business, 
if you're dealing with a face-to-face -face situation, the way that changes is they instead say, oh, send me some information. That's the way they say, I'm not interested. Just send right. me some information. Right, that I can right? throw away which, and delete. Yeah, which, exactly, which doesn't do any good. The important thing is that, so if you're talking to a sponsor, right, instead of, oh, well, hey, here's this great thing, here's how much it would cost, it might be, really, so, I mean, why is it you guys want to reach this audience? Mm -hmm. Right? What do you guys hope to gain from that audience? You know, how's that audience going to tie in with your product? So now you're talking about their needs and diagnosing their situation rather than jumping straight to the treatment or products or what it is you're trying to sell because whenever you're in a selling situation, the buyer can perceive you one of two ways. They can either look at you as someone who's trying to sell something and is a pushy plaid jacket wearing slimy salesperson, which just for clarification is not good, or, <laughs> or they can say, here's this problem that we're trying to solve, yeah. and I'm hopeful that this person can come in and help. And we always want to be in a situation where we're going in to help someone diagnose a problem to see if we can help, rather than being the pushy salesperson. Got it. Uh, and that makes, yeah, perfect. Makes so much sense. Okay. So I want to talk a little bit about this notion of competition and just give people a little a little clue as to how you can deal with this. In the world in the world of competition, oftentimes people are dealing with multiple competitors. Mm -hmm. And it gets really frustrating because you don't know who it is. So I'm going to give people two simple questions they can ask their potential customer in these situations. So it might be, well, you know, what other shows are you guys considering sponsoring? And they give you, okay, here's a list of three or four shows. Okay. If you took us out of the mix, here's the first question. If you took us out of the mix, which one might you be leaning towards, and what do you like about them? And they're going to go on and tell you, if you if you built any sort of rapport, they'll tell you what they like about that other company. Mm -hmm. And then you just keep drawing that out of them, and then at the end, the, the big kicker is, so if you could change one or two things about them, what would it be? Ah. If, you, if you paid attention, you now have a list of all the things that are their priorities. It doesn't mean you jump into now your sales pitch. You've got to evaluate that and see how you match up your competitors. Mm -hmm. And if you're in a good position, well, man, you own the opportunity. But now you know what their priorities are. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to figure out and just throw up all your information all over them. Mm -hmm. Instead, you now know what's important to them. Yeah. So, so meaning, you know, they might say something like, uh, you know, uh, you know, we really like that other show, but the, the the host is kind of a jackass, and we we don't want him to represent. We're we're a little worried about him representing the brand or something like that. Or, exactly. or, or yeah, it you might, know, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. It, it might it might be. Hey, you know what? This other this other guy is too conservative. We want someone who's more laid back. It's going to attract a different type of audience. It's better for us. Okay. And it, and it could be, well, we like the number of viewers he has, we like the topics, but you know what? We're uncomfortable about these two things. Well, now mm -hmm. you know how you're positioned in all those areas. Mm -hmm. It puts you in a strong competitive position. And the biggest thing is this. These aren't tough questions. Just most people don't ask them. Yeah. No, it's not. I mean, I, I would not feel – and I think that's what everyone needs to think about here that, that's listening and watching this is that – these are ways to make you feel a lot more comfortable because think about the questions that are very uncomfortable. None of these are really uncomfortable questions. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. people are scared by sales because they think of the uncomfortability of asking for money or, or trying to come up with something as opposed to taking this kind of different approach where, where it's just it's much better, I guess, is the, is the way to describe it. You know, We, we can only hope. Right. <laughs> Well, and, and it's, it's interesting. The other, the other one, the uncomfortable question a lot of people don't like to ask is, who's the decision maker? Mm -hmm. And 
Because here's the reality. No matter what the real answer is, you're always going to get the same answer. And whoever you ask is always going to say, I am. Right? They're going to like perch themselves on top of a small hill. And they're going to say, I am the decision maker, and that's it. It doesn't help you. It doesn't help them. If instead, if we said, so when you guys made decisions like this in the past, who got involved? Mm-hmm. You're going to get the same information, but it's in a non-confrontational way. Right. Oh, and they might say, oh, there's a team. And, you know, oh, no, you know, I just, exactly. I, I'm the final call. Yeah, I get it. It's a, it's a lot uh, less aggressive, or the word that we would use, right, is salesy, which we don't want to use, sure. right? Exactly, because we don't want, I mean, when I, when I work with these groups of CEOs, we always talk about, I always start with a whole list of what people don't like about salespeople. And, I mean, there's just some funny things that have come up. But it's usually just untrustworthy and too pushy. And all they're advocating is for what they're selling. And as soon as you shift to start advocating for the client, you get a lot more business out of it. Yeah, I can tell you some horror. We're not going to get into it now, but I'm telling you, I I got horror stories of people trying to sell me stuff a variety of different ways and everyone has that I I guarantee you you uh, that that are listening and watching have horror stories and thinking about just think about that think about the people that were those pushy you know not the right solution for you you knew it but they just could not get past that thought you know what I mean it's it's absolutely right it's I mean it's and and the thing is those pushy people I mean you know at, at the core we're all animals and if you if you corner an animal it does one of two things. It either fights or runs away. And people are the same way. There's an exercise I do in my programs where literally demonstrates this whole idea of when people push, other people push back. When you pull back a little bit, people tend to follow you. And if it's not a fit, they walk away, and it helps you get to the truth. Mm-hmm. So there's a couple more quick points that I want to get through that I think will be um, really impactful. In fact, this next piece I'm going to talk about is something that um, I often describe as if you miss this part, it's like going to Disney World but not riding Space Mountain. This okay. is the e-ticket ride <laughs> that we're going to get to because when we're dealing with these bigger ticket opportunities and now you're trying to land the big sponsorship or things like that, this this becomes really valuable. Most times we focus on the issue that someone's got. So even if we get to something that they're concerned about, we focus on the issue. And so I'm going to give you a story about this. Before I started my businesses, I worked for a mainframe company. Mainframe text retrieval, um, public company, and I, I had done really well as a salesperson. And they they gave me one of the biggest accounts in the company. These guys were spending over a million dollars a year in maintenance. And about a month into getting this account, I get a call from this vice president Steve in the Midwest who says, "Hey, look, we've got these 300 images we need to put up online." So everyone listening or watching right now is thinking, "Oh, you just drag them in a Dropbox or drag them into a directory and they show up." This is the mainframe days. It wasn't really designed to display images or schematics like this. So it was a lot of manual manipulation. And and the engineering department for the company came back and said it was going to cost $1,000 per image for the 300 images. Nice. So $300,000. So good news or bad news if you're trying to sell that? What if you're if, if you're if you're selling that? I guess it's it, well, it depends on your relationship with the client. What would you say? Yeah. Most people say it's bad news because we're talking about. I mean, how are you going to convince somebody that it's worth $300,000 to put up images? Understood. Yeah. yeah. So the first thing I did, I started working on my resume because I figured I'm going to tell this guy this stuff. He's going <laughs> to ask it. Right? The second thing I did is I figured I can't give this information over the phone. I told him, look, Steve, I'm going to fly out first thing Tuesday morning. 
when I get there, we're not going to talk about business because I don't know you that well. We're going to play golf. We're going to have the best dinner in town because I figure if I'm getting fired Wednesday, I may go out with a – Have some fun. Have some fun. Why not? So Wednesday morning, um, after we've had this great golf and dinner, I get there early, and, of course, Steve corners me and says, look, do you, do you have a solution for this thing? And in an effort to stall, I said, well, Steve, remind me again, what's the issue here? I mean, why are you guys trying to do this? And he says, oh, our distributors overseas handle our products and our competitors' products. And they've all figured out a way to get the information electronically to the distributors. We haven't yet. So we're delivering this stuff in paper, and there's a three-week delay. And our sales and marketing department has determined that it's costing us $30 million a quarter in lost revenue. So now $300,000 doesn't seem like that much. Pocket change. Right? It's pocket change because I went beyond issue and I got to the impact on their business. And then he said, look, and if I don't find a solution soon, I'm going to be looking for a new job. So I knew it was important to him. And also Steve and I had a lot in common at that point. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> this whole idea of going from getting to issue, impact, and importance is absolutely critical when you're selling big ticket stuff because now we're talking about their issues, not ours. The area of this that becomes really upside down selling is that it's not our job to convince the client of this issue impact importance. Mm-hmm. It's our job to stimulate a conversation where they convince us that they have an issue that has enough impact on their business that's important enough for them to solve to make it worth our time to help them try and find a solution. Cool. When you do that, you will waste a lot less time on opportunities that result in non-decisions, and you're going to get sharply focused on what matters to them, and by developing this, you now have given a business case to that individual about why they need this. Mm -hmm. You've now given them their justification. So if you think about it, Okay, so we're trying to get a sponsor. Here's how much we want to get. Man, I'm thinking if I can get the sponsor for 50 grand, that'd be great. You know what? They might see that the impact of of sponsoring your show is a half a million dollars to them that they can tangibly see. You know what? They might be willing to pay $150,000 for that. But we don't know what the right price is until we have a sense of that impact and importance. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then is there ways to, just quickly here, and we have to wrap uh, fairly soon, Ian, is um, on the impact and importance, is there ways to help, like you mentioned kind of the story when you were asking him things, but let's just use that example you just said. Let's just say that someone's out there and they're like, okay, um, you know, they're working to get get the sponsor. They're in front of the sponsor. They're they're having this conversation. They're trying to get it away from issue to impact and importance. Or add in impact and importance, as you just mentioned, because yep. they, they don't know. Is, is $10,000 going to be absurd or is that just ridiculous? They're focusing on the wrong thing, right? How yep, do you get exactly. that? How do you steer that conversation a little bit so that we're talking impact and importance and not talking about so, dollars and cents and things like that? So that's, that's, a, that's a great question. And there's a few different ways to do it. One is this notion of once they raise this, you could ask a simple question like, you probably couldn't quantify that, though, could you? Hmm. Right? And just shut up. And they'll say, no, actually, we could. Or, well, it's not, like, it's not like you guys are expecting to see money out of that, right? And it's this notion that I call the takeaway that kind of pulls back. If I said, well, how much is that going to cost you? Then I feel I sound like the pushy sales guy. If I say, you know, my, my sense is that probably isn't costing you guys enough money to even warrant doing this. All I'm trying to get to is the truth. Now, sometimes I'll share additional information. 
So I've got a client of mine who's in the insurance business. Anybody, anybody who runs a company, you've got benefits. You get a call from an insurance broker who says, "Oh, I want to look at your uh, look at your insurance benefits and see, you know, see if I can shop your plan, come up with something better." These guys, we came up with a totally different approach, which is they help companies manage their future healthcare costs. So it used to be they'd call up and say, "Hey, we're a benefits broker. We want to talk to you about what we do." And they got about a one percent response rate. By shifting this discussion to more of a discussion about impact, now what they do is they call up and say, look, if you're spending a million dollars today, in the next seven years, based on industry trends, if you don't do anything, it's going to rise to two million. During that period, it's going to be an extra three and a half million dollars out of your pocket. Our clients tell us it's not acceptable, and we can have a dramatic impact for some organizations, some organizations, but not for all of them. I'd love to come out and talk to you if this is important to you to see whether or not we might be able to help you. It changes their thinking because now the client's thinking, man, I hope they can help us. Mm-hmm. And when they come in, the client's thinking, oh, why are these guys here? No, they're not coming to sell us something. They're coming to see if they can help us save this $3.5 million. And it changes the dynamics. So the conversations usually center around, well, so, so how is that impacting you? Well, it's not like it costs you money. And it's things like that to get them to fight for those issues. And once they do, you're in good shape. All right, got it. Makes sense. Okay. So just kind of recapping where we're at, we want to get to why and not what. So this whole idea of we don't want to talk about what our features are, but why someone would need them and what their issues could be. When we go to beyond online, we want to remember that people and buyers think differently, and we want to get to talking about their issues. And then when we unlock this whole upside-down selling, a lot of it comes back to this notion of issue, impact, and importance, which is getting beyond just what it is they're trying to do and getting more to how it's impacting their business. And here's an important point of this. Our tone and our body language give away a lot. If we're not confident in the price we're asking for, it comes through in our nonverbal communication. Mm-hmm. Once someone gets that issue impact importance on the table, man, believe me, when, when I was dealing with this guy in the Midwest, once he told me it was costing $30 million a quarter, I didn't flinch, and I said, you know what? We can solve this for you. It's only a half a million dollars. Right. Now, before, I was scared about presenting 300000 but the half a million became a trivial deal mm-hmm. because the impact was so great. Super helpful. Super helpful. So getting that information is good. Yeah. No, this is, this is, this is just freaking badass. And, yeah, I mean, I think that – People struggle with this so much online, offline. I know our communities. First of all, it was just ridiculously helpful. Next time that they're going out there and and uh, and getting their negotiation on, this is uh, super awesome. So thank you, first of all, for being uber generous with your info today, Ian. You're the man. Sure. And uh, next thing up here, though, as we wrap up, um, I want to make sure people know what they can do next step, you know, they're into this, they're, they're, they want to learn more, they want upside down selling, they want to learn more of the concepts. You have the new book. Uh, tell us a little bit about what's going on and where else people can check stuff out. And, I, and you can actually get a free copy of the ebook on your site, correct? Coming up soon. Exactly. In fact, what, so what will happen is um, the, the book's going to launch later this month, and anybody who's registered on my site will get an email that they'll be able to get a free, the free ebook in the first day, day and a half that it launches on Amazon of upside-down selling. Sweet. And, so, you know, the subtitle is an integrity-based approach for those who don't think they're in sales. You know, there's a lot of us who don't think of ourselves as salesmen, and really that's what you're doing. And if you can get those non-salespeople engaged, 
makes a huge difference. All the stuff's on growmyrevenue.com. As you know, I've got a blog and an article that comes out every week, and I just try to give people as much information as I can to help their businesses because, after all, that's why I started this thing. I mean, it's not an entirely philanthropic organization. People do actually pay me for some of this stuff, but I give away a lot of information for free, as you do. All right, awesome. Ian, well, so people can go over. So I want to encourage everyone, go to growmyrevenue.com. You'll find the information on there. Uh, the, the, you know, we got the sneak peek here. This is like, I feel like we're, we're, super, we're far cooler than we are here, just getting the sneak peek <laughs> of, of, the new, of the new book. So uh, Ian, thank you again. This has been awesome. Again, it's Grow My Revenue. That is linked up in the show notes. And, and thanks for coming on, my man. This was absolutely great. It was a blast, David. This was Ian Altman on The Rise to the Top. All that information is linked up below. I will see you next time. I'm David Seitman Garland. I'm going to drink my green bottle too, just like Ian is. And remember, if you want some fluff, you know what to do. Go pet a bunny. And one more quick reminder, you want to work anywhere, you want to work from your iPad, you want to work from your iPhone, you want to leave the laptop, leave the desktop, whatever you want to leave behind, got to get GoToMyPC. Get the app, download it for free, and then head over to GoToMyPC.com, click the Try It Free button, enter the promo code RISE, and you're going to get 45 days on the house.